0: Hello, we're the Revitalize and Grow podcast, here to give you top tips on how to take your marketing and communications to the next level and help you grow. I'm Jenny, your host, and each week I'll be joined by one of my fellow pros to pick apart various PR and marketing topics, demystify the jargon, and give you some practical tips that you can apply to your own business. Occasionally, we'll be bringing on some special guests for bonus episodes. You can find all the latest episodes and keep in touch with us at adpr.co.uk or find us on all the socials. You can find the handles in our bio. So grab your cuppa and join us and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss the latest episodes. Hello and welcome once again to the Revitalise and Grow podcast here to give you top tips on how to take your marketing and communications to the next level and help you grow. I'm Jenny, your host, and each week I'm joined by one of my colleagues. We pick apart the various PR and marketing topics, demystify the jargon, and give you some practical tips that you can apply to your own business. Today, I'm joined by Sophie. Hello, Sophie. Sophie. Hi. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about measurement. So, how to man- measure the impact of your marketing and make sure it's delivering what you need it to for your business. Um, Sophie is the perfect person for us to have on for this episode. She um, fairly recently graduated with distinction, I might add. Uh, <laughs> that she's got the AMEX certificate in measurement and evaluation. So, um, it's her bag she definitely knows what she's talking about on this subject. So she's the perfect person to speak to us today. Um, So Sophie, perhaps we'll start with um, a common pitfall is that often businesses feel that measuring the impact of their marketing comes at the end of a campaign or a project. That's when they tend to start thinking about it. But it's important that they start thinking about measurement from the very beginning, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So measurement can only really be done effectively if you start it at the very beginning of a campaign or your marketing communications activity, because you need to know exactly what it is that you're going to measure in order to know what success looks like. So you do have to think about the end at the beginning.
0: Yeah, it <laughs> feels, feels a bit backwards, doesn't it? But it's, um, it no, it's, it's absolutely the right way. And And that comes from, well, we'll go into it, but from um, setting objectives that are measurable, doesn't it? But one of of the things we were going to talk about um, quickly and that is worth listeners going to have a look at is Amex Barcelona Principles.
1: Yeah. So let me just start by saying what AMEC is. So AMEC is the International Association for Measurement and Evaluation of Communication. So it is the international body that sort of regulates or says what best practice is when it comes to measuring and evaluating communications, because it is difficult to measure communications. I think you know we, we'll all know and be aware that it's very difficult to really properly measure the impact of your PR. That's something that you will hear people say a lot. And it's often a reason why people don't want to do communications activity because they say that they can't measure it. So AMEC's purpose is to try and put a stop to that and to put some things in place that everybody working in communications can adhere to so that there is some standard when it comes to measurement of communications. Mm-hmm. So that's why AMEC, I've got the certificate. Um, that, that I did so that people can be you know, officially trained in it and another thing which they brought out was the Barcelona principles. Now there's been three iterations of the Barcelona principles and the most recent was just in july in 2020. So I'm not going to go into detail about what the Barcelona principles are because there's seven of them and they're quite detailed in themselves, Mm -hmm. but we'll put resources on our website so listeners can go and check it out in more detail. But I think the key thing to know about the Barcelona principles is that these are seven agreements, if you like, that the communications industry as as a whole has agreed to, to stand by. And one of the most important ones, I think, is that AVEs are not the value of communication. Now, an AVE is is an advertising value equivalent. You may have heard of it. You may not. It's quite an old fashioned way of measuring the value of communication, and you just you value the piece of coverage based on how much you would have had to have paid for that piece of coverage if it was an advert. Now, clearly you're not comparing like with like, and it's an invalid metric, but that is one of the founding principles of AMEC, is that you should not use AVEs. So because of that, AVEs are getting less and less used Mm -hmm. within the industry. And that is one of the key parts of the Barcelona principles
0: yeah which is good isn't it as you say it's not comparing like for like and, and it's um it's not an effective way often it's because as as you've said it's a bit of an old fashioned way to measure and i think sometimes it's um a com- a way businesses and brands can feel quite comfortable about measuring because it's because you've got that monetary value haven't you so you, you can put numbers to things and say how much you've spent on pr and compare it to how much you've got, um, you know, with, with the AVE and it's not, it's just, as you said, it's not overly effective. So it is something that we would absolutely advocate moving away from too, um, which is what we'll talk about today, won't we So all Exactly. Lots of
1: better ways that we can measure and they're not difficult and they're not complicated. And we'll go through um, today some, some easy ways that your small business will be able to measure the value of your communication.
0: So, one of the elements from AIMEC is they did produce a really good um, evaluation framework, didn't they, which you can follow um, in order to measure your campaign effectively.
1: Exactly, and it's a really nice, easy to use tool. We're going to use um, use it today as the, the framework for our discussion. And you can anybody can access the tool using on the AMEC website, and it's for free. And it's a really nice, simple tool that you can just go through each of these different steps. We're going to talk to talk to you about in today's podcast.
0: Yeah, and it's as you say, it's. Um... It's a really simple format, isn't it? And when you look at it, it makes it makes so much sense. But it um, essentially breaks down the steps into objectives, inputs, activities, outputs, outtakes, outcomes, and impact. So. Um, I think often um, when you look at that, or if you just hear those words for businesses, it can sound like some of those are quite similar, can't it? But actually, they all address very different areas that you need to look at. So, um, the the first step would, of course, be objectives and starting with some um, very clear objectives.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So objectives must be your starting point when you're thinking about measuring your communications. It sounds obvious, as you say, but actually it's really hard to do. And it does require some quite deep thought and also some conversations with people within your organization if you work for a, a larger business, because often the marketing element might not necessarily be in tune with what the wider business objectives are. So they do, and they do need to be linked. Some of the common problems we see with objective setting are objectives that describe a process. So for example, Mm -hmm. we will work with an, an ambassador to secure 10 national media placements, for example, or we will issue 15 news releases. The problem with those is, that isn't an objective, right? All it's saying is the activity you're going to do. So that's something to watch out for when you're creating your objectives. Make sure you're not describing a process, but you actually are talking about something you're going to achieve. The second problem with objectives is that they can be really vague. Now, I know we're guilty of this as well. So I'm not by no means saying that we're (laughs) perfect. Um, But having vague objectives is a big problem in the industry. And I'm just going to give you a classic one now, which is uh, company X wants to raise awareness. Now, that's a really common PR objective, but it is rubbish because it doesn't actually say or mean anything. And you've got no way of showing if you've achieved it or not. So avoid vague objectives where you can. Mm-hmm. And the third element to consider when you're setting your objectives is it is so critical to have that baseline that you can measure against. So for example, you want to increase by 20%, but you need to know if you're increasing by 20% what you're increasing from. So you do need to think about what your what information you've got to hand that you can use as a baseline from which you can benchmark. So Once you've thought about those three elements, the next bit of when you're thinking about your objective setting is that you do want them to be smart. So that means you want them to be specific. You want them to be measurable. That's that benchmarking element we talked about just a moment ago. You want them to be attainable. So, you know, you could actually do what you say you're going to do. You want them to be relevant. And you want them to be time-based, so you want them to have um, have a date which you're going to achieve them by. Essentially, I think of objectives as who do you want to do what, how much, and by when.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that's and that's really important, isn't it? As you said, it's it's the um, who, what, when. Otherwise, you end up with those very very vague um, objectives, which, as you quite rightly say, are very difficult to measure and that's the pitfall that people fall into don't they when it comes to the end of a marketing campaign um when they don't have that baseline and they don't know exactly what they were measuring it's very difficult to um, justify the spend if it's the spend into that marketing plan so um yes smart objectives are, are very important and that that benchmark could be um it could be marketing research you've done, or if it was an internal communications campaign, it's a it's an internal comm staff engagement survey and knowing what engagement um, levels are like and how much you want to increase it. So, um, it's doable, isn't it? You just need to have that benchmark in, in the first place.
1: Definitely. And you know, use your Google Analytics as well. There is an absolute wealth of data within your Google Analytics that you could be able to use for some of these metrics to give you a baseline, which you can then show how you've improved or increased whatever it is that you're trying to achieve with your communications that is fundamentally linked back to your business goals, because there's no point doing communications activity that isn't linked to your business goals, because your communications activity should be Mm -hmm. pushing forward with your business agenda. So the two do need to be linked.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then once you've set and you've got some very clear objectives, um, what would the next stage be then in terms of that, in that framework we're talking about? Yeah. So once you've
1: got your objectives, I would just say as well, don't go overboard with objectives. I think three, four, five, you know, it is absolutely enough. If you've got your objectives right, you don't need any more than that because you can get yourself into not Mm. just thinking about (laughs) it. So yeah. So I would focus on having three, four, five maximum, really good objectives rather than a load of waffle that doesn't mean anything. Okay. So once you are really confident with your objectives and they're exactly what you want them to be, your next element to look at is your inputs. So this is going to cover exactly who the target audience is of your campaign. And then second is your strategic plan and elements around that. So it might be a situation analysis about the industry or the market or competitors you could be listing out what resources you're going to need and or critically you want your budgets as well. So this input section is really key to your planning. Um, clearly you need to spend some time defining your target audience because you don't want your campaign to be reaching everybody. I mean, Mm -hmm. you might do, and we do have clients that ask us to do that, but really you want it to be much more specific than that. It can end up reaching more people than your intended target market, of course. But if you have a target, it just makes all your other activities much more streamlined and much more efficient. And you know exactly who you're talking to. So defining your target audience is a, a critical part of your inputs. And then following out of that, your strategic plan and the things that you need in order to make that plan happen. Mm-hmm. So, your resources, the budgets you've got available, what skills you've got. It's it's that element of the of the planning in this input section.
0: Yeah, and as you say, with the where you've mentioned um, the importance of knowing your target audience is so true because, as you say, you're not you won't be targeting everyone that won't be your target audience your target audience will be drilled down much further than that and those audiences have very different um barriers and drivers don't they? which will then influence the activity section so you exactly know, exactly how you're going to reach them
1: Yeah, your target audience profile really dictates your, um, yeah, as you say, your activity, which is actually our our next section. So, nice segue. Thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the second part is activities. Now, this part is where you're essentially listing the activities that you're going to carry out. So, um, are you going to, do you need to do some market research? What content do you need to produce? What blogs are you going to be on? What advertising campaign are you going to do? What news releases are you going to send out? What events are you going to do? This is all of the potential, all of the activities that you're going to do in order to meet your objectives and to reach your target market. So the cool thing about the integrated evaluation framework is that it recognizes the different areas that you're going to be doing your activities in. And what I mean by this is what we call the PESO tool, but it's not really a tool as such. It's just a way of categorizing your activity, mm-hmm. whether it is, um, so the P is paid. So, what paid marketing you're going to do. E is earned. So, earned, this is more your traditional media relations and, and public relations. It's, it's media that you've earned as opposed to bought. The S stands for shared. So, this is your shared content. This is activity on social media, for example, or activity with influencers. And then the O stands for owned, and this is owned content. this is the channels that you own yourself. So that could be your blog, your website, your YouTube, um, any any channels that you own yourself. So using the integrated evaluation framework, you can spit out all your activities under which heading of peso they fit under. So that just makes it really, really nice and, and simple. And you can see exactly, okay, so I've got this activity going on in paid, this activity in earned, this in shared in this in and own so it's just a neat way of of you categorizing your activities that you've got coming up for this campaign
0: yeah and it kind of makes sure that it all, it's all working together isn't it so you it's not randomly spaced out and not and not working hand in hand isn't it you're all exactly. of those all of those different areas should be working together towards the same goal and happening at the same time or at least you know in a timely manner that can yeah, be most per- effective
1: and by mapping them out into this activity section on the integrated evaluation framework, gives you that helicopter view, as you say, so you can see where the activity is. You can see there might be pinch points, for example, with when it comes back to one of your inputs, which was resources or budgets, just enables you to have that, have that wider view so you can check that everything's in line as you, as you think it is.
0: Mm-hmm. And then um, the next part of the frameworks that we're, we're talking about. So we've got kind of the activities, the kind of activities we're going to do is, um, outputs. Um, yes. So what do we mean by outputs? Yeah. So <laughs> outputs is,
1: this is the stuff that usually comms agencies and mm-hmm. PR people are really, really good at measuring, Yeah. Right? <laughs> this is the stuff that we are really good at, we're really on top of it. And basically your PR outputs outputs is the stuff that you've done, right? Mm -hmm. So it is, um, it's quantitative and qualitative, and it might include the numbers of cuttings you've achieved. It might include the opportunities to see another way of, of saying opportunities to see is impressions. Um, or it could be the circulation of the title that you achieve coverage in. You would also be looking at the media impact. So this is more than just the titles and publications you've achieved coverage in, but what did that coverage actually say? What did it mean? Was it in the right tone? Did it include any of my key messages? Have we got coverage in tiered media that we know we really, really want to be in. For example, you might spend some time working on a media list and being like, okay, so these are the three gold media that I absolutely want to be in you know, in your own mind, you'd probably be weighting those three gold media, you know, higher than you would some of your other titles. So, that is thinking about the impact of your media in relation to how it's going to drive your target market to do whatever it is you want them to do, to to be that behavior change you want to see. Another aspect of your PR outputs is the media quality evaluation. So what I mean by that is, did they use a quote? Did they use photos? I think we all know that, you know, sometimes uh, having a cracking photo can be the difference between a small piece of coverage and a much larger piece. So did they include your, your photos? And what was the placement of the piece? This is particularly relevant to printed media, but it's much it's it's deemed to be better to have a placement on the right-hand side, for example, than the left-hand side and further up the page so that you're more likely to see it. So, there's some elements to do with where the piece was actually placed as well as to whether you would deem that piece of coverage to be higher value than another piece. And then moving on to the digital side, there's lots of things that we can monitor there using your Google Analytics, for example, so we can look at click-throughs onto links. We can look at things that were downloaded. You could set up goals in Google Analytics to see if the activity that you know is driving positive behavior is being done. So there's lots of things we can look at in digital monitoring as well. And then other things we could look at in PR outputs is how many people came to our event? Were they the right sort of people? How many journalists did we get coming along? Or if we did an online event now because of COVID, how many journalists did we get to come to our online event? Mm -hmm. And then another statistic you could look at is your share of voice against your competitors. Often for our clients, that can be a really key metric. They want to know, you know, how often is my brand spoken about compared to Their competitors. So measuring share of voice is another element of PR outputs that's a really valuable KPI to
0: have. Yeah, and as you say, I think this is this is an area that quite often um, everyone's much better at measuring. Um, And do you think it would be fair to say maybe this is where maybe a lot of people stop, a lot of businesses stop. It stops here and it doesn't go any further.
1: I I think that is, that's definitely fair. And I I understand why I'm not going to go into it. You know, when we talk about the others, they are harder and they can be a little Mm -hmm. bit more expensive. So I understand it. And that's also okay. So what I mean by that is, is if you've got solid objectives and you are measuring your PR outputs in a sophisticated way. So rather than just using AVE, for example, or just counting the number of clippings. But if you're going into some detail in terms of the media impacts that you had, the, the quality of the piece, and mm-hmm. you're using your digital tools, such as Google Analytics, which is free, to help you. And if that is as far as you go with your measurement, that is still a lot better than not doing anything at all yeah. or using AVEs. So, and if you want to just put your toe in the water and just make a start, then I think focusing on getting your PR outputs really, really well measured is a, is a great place to start. We would obviously advocate you going further than that, but I think you can do a lot just within this one section.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because for for businesses and particularly small businesses where this might be entirely new, it's easy for us to say, isn't it? As people who, you know, it's our job, to do marketing and communications, um, it's easy for us to say you should go the full hog. But I think as you say, it's a good um it's a good tip to say if this is this is if this is as far as you take your measurement and this is what you're ready for, then it's it's absolutely worth doing, isn't it? It's better than not measuring at all or using AVE. Yeah, absolutely. And so um if they were going to take it further. And we're mm-hmm. going to delve a little bit more into the framework. what What's the next step for them? Okay, so the
1: next step is measuring your PR outtakes. Now, this is when it the sort of uh, lingo starts to get a little bit jargony. So let me try and make <laughs> it really clear. I just understand this as what the audience takes from the PR activity. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's called measuring PR outtake. So what the audience is taking from your PR activity. So what do I mean by that? So some things might be favorability. Are they preferring uh, your brand as a result of it? Understanding or comprehension. Do Does the target market now understand something that they didn't before? Or, or is there an, you know, an education element from the Mm-hmm. Communication that's that's been achieved. recall and retention so is a member of the target market able to state back that they had saw your communication and that, and that they could remember it? Ultimately what we're looking for here is did we grab the target's attention and is it you know was it the right target? Um, and then what did they then do as a result? So some examples of, of how we could do that they're actually not as complicated as it as you might first think you could ask for your target market to request more information from a pr generated link for example so there might be a, a link that's only used for that particular purpose so you know that any click throughs as measured in your google analytics must be because of the pr activity so it's quite an easy way to attribute value if you like to mm-hmm. the to the pr activity similarly you could create a PR specific website landing page. This might be just a campaign landing page that is only used and only available to be seen when it's clicked through from the PR element. This again is another way of siphoning off any other traffic, which might be coming in from another way and just being able to clearly attribute it to the PR activity. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit more of an old fashioned uh, way of doing it, but Similarly, is to call a specific PR phone number. This used to be done all the time as a way of being able to attribute direct sales to to PR activity. Mm-hmm. If any calls came through on this particular phone number, it was only a phone number used within PR materials. So you knew that calls through to that number had to have been as a result of seeing the PR activity in the first place.
0: And I suppose an up sort of a. More it makes a uh, sound really old, doesn't it? A more modern version, but with <laughs> sort of <laughs> with from the social media side, you can see it's why people have specific um discount codes, don't they? Exactly. That come through with influencers and affiliate programs. All of those things are very measurable, aren't they? In that you've got people clicking through and using particular codes, you know, it's come from this. Activity and not from somewhere else.
1: Exactly, and just makes it much more attributable within your Google Analytics to see exactly where where the links are coming from and and, and who they should sort of be assigned responsibility to, if you like.
0: Yeah, and and actually, I'll just as a quicker side because we've mentioned it a couple of times. Um, Google Analytics, if you're not already using your analytics, and as Sophie mentioned, it is completely free. Um, If you're not aware, you can do a really quick beginner's course and earn a certificate, can't you? So if you go on and it takes you through step-by-step what it is, how to use it, um, and how to set up certain goals and track all of these activities that we're talking about. So if you don't already use it, it's absolutely well worth um, delving into and um, getting clued up on what to do.
1: Definitely, because you can use UT... Um it's sorry, this is Google jargon again, but you can use these links, which are UTM tracking links. and that's a way to be able to signify to Google Analytics when links come through from different areas, for example, from an influence on social media, from a Facebook campaign or from a piece of PR coverage achieved in a a title, you can use different links for all of those things, which then in your Google Analytics will show you which of those was driving the most amount of traffic, enabling you to make informed decisions about which activity is -hmm. the best activity to continue with or what was working really well to help with your evaluation for the campaign.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And and similarly what wasn't working is it's it's yeah. it's so good to just constantly be evaluating what you're doing so that if you need to change tact, you can and you can do it quickly so that you can make sure everything you're doing has the right impact.
1: Yeah, and it's, it completely depends on what the campaign is about. I know for um, one of our clients, when we worked with them on um, a project, they had achieved coverage in national newspaper titles like The Times. And we could u- see which links were generating traffic and how much they were getting Awareness through to their website based on that link using Google Analytics. But they also appeared on the Deliciously Ella podcast. And we could see on Google Analytics that the Deliciously Ella podcast was driving much more effective links that went on to purchase than actually the piece and the Mm. time. So it does enable you to do that much more granular level of detail when you can see where
0: the links are coming from. And yeah, and as you say, looking into those analytics, often it surprises you, doesn't it, which which are the more effective channels
1: Exactly. And you you can't really call it ahead of time. Often we are surprised ourselves. This is why when you are pulling together a campaign, you want it to be as wide as possible in terms of the different channels you're using or the different influencers you're using, because it's only once you've done it that you're actually able to see which ones were driving the traffic.
0: Yeah. And so, From there, um, having looked at the outtakes, I know the next one is um, listeners might be thinking it all sounds so similar. Um, But then we have outcomes, don't we, which are different to outtakes.
1: Yes, exactly. So in outcomes, this is the effect of the communications on the target audience from the point of view of has it fundamentally changed their attitude to the topic? Has it made them trust a brand more? Has it made them prefer a brand more? Has it had an impact on them to do something? For example, did they sign up to a trial? Did they subscribe? Have they registered for something? Or have they increased online advocacy? So this is, it is different to outtakes because it's not just what they took from the campaign, which is what we were looking at before, Mm -hmm. but this is how has it actually changed them? So mm-hmm. it is it is quite different but it
0: is A similar word. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be confusing.
1: (laughs) Now, unfortunately, measuring PR outcomes is where we lose the most amount of people. Now, this is because it is the most expensive form of measurement, but also one of the most important. And we will talk about some ways that you can do it where it doesn't have to cost a fortune, but it does require data gathering. So, because of that, you need to have some research and, and tools, you know available. Traditionally, how this element has been done is by measuring um, opinion, um, attitude, and behavior change in the form of either quantitative surveys, um, in-depth interviews, or with focus groups. And these are all things that you can can do yourself. So, focus groups, for example, would definitely be something that a small business could organize themselves without any help. And you wouldn't need a research organization or a PR company Mm -hmm. to help you do that. Um, You could also just observe your customers. Um, That's, again, something else that small companies can do without having to spend a lot of money. There are other ways of doing it, you know, and for example, large organizations do brand preference surveys and they may also do pre and post campaign polls. So this is where you'd run the campaign. Um, you'd run, sorry, a survey before your campaign. And then you'd run exactly the same survey afterwards, and then you can see the difference. So you can see there, there's that really nice link because you've got the benchmark data from your first survey. However, these are expensive, and they're probably the reserve of, of larger organizations. Other things, though, that you could look at is feedback from your customers. How's that changed? You may end up with anecdotal feedback, which supports your campaign decisions, because people have said, Oh, I, I used to do this, but now I do this because mm. of. So actually, when you're a small company, you can have access to that data more nimbly than actually a large organization can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that is, as you said, a um a benefit of being a smaller business, isn't it? You can get more of that kind of quali- qualitative yeah. um, data too. Um and and I suppose in in this does do reviews fall into this section as well? Like on like TrustPilot and those sorts of platforms.
1: I certainly think looking at your customer reviews would absolutely be a, a way that you could. Yeah, you could definitely use that data to support this. Mm-hmm. I think it would really. It's a yeah, it's a good a good way of doing it, especially if your customers are already in the habit of leaving yeah. You reviews. Yeah, I think that would be. It's another well of data, if you like, that you you could lose yourself in and a, as a way to see what the effect of mm-hmm. your campaign was. So I think using feedback, on, and that's what I mean when I sort of say feedback from customers, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, when you're in the shop, but it could be yeah, reviews that were left or even comments on social media. You know, customers yeah. today are not afraid to tell us, you know, what <laughs> they think about our service. So it could be, you know, it doesn't have to be something official, you know, it could just be feedback or comments that you're seeing on social media.
0: Yeah. And, that's, and as you say, there's actually a wealth of data available, isn't there, to, to all businesses. It's just, um, you know, data doesn't just have to mean statistics. And, it, you know, there's a wealth of other resources you can go to that are at your fingertips that you can use to measure against.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the you know, going digital and, and having things online has really helped from that perspective. It, it's helped to make... More sophisticated measurement, easier for smaller businesses, and more realistic and achievable.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, and then finally, we get sort of onto this final stage, don't we, of, of measuring? And that is as part of this this particular framework, and that's impact, isn't it? So the actual impact that your campaign has had.
1: Yeah, exactly. So this is really your fundamental what was the impact on the business of the activity? So, what we want to see here is a clear demonstration of a business outcome, and which was linked to your organization objectives, which is clearly attributed to the campaign activity. So, It links directly the PR activity to the goals of the business, which is why, if you remember back to the start of our conversation, we said that any of your campaign objectives or your comms objectives, you know, they do have to be linked to the goals of the business because fundamentally the activity of the communications should be driving that business agenda forwards. So what are some of the ways that we could measure that business impact? So we can look at things like market share, maybe our market share increased. We mm-hmm. could look at sales figures. We could look at the profitability of the business. There are, so, it's using these core business metrics as a way of showing the link between the comms activity and those overarching business impacts. But it's not easy to do. And, you know, I recognize that it does require a really close relationship between the comms team and the senior leaders within the business. And it requires the comms objectives to have stemmed from the business objectives, which, as I said, doesn't always mm-hmm. happen. Um, so it's uh, it does require a few maybe Tricky conversations if you're in a larger organization. But if you're the business owner yourself, you'll probably find this much, you know, much more easier to do actually than if you are in a larger organization. And the same goes, you'll probably see the impact. If your campaign was well run and effective, you'll probably see the impact more easily than if you were a business that was of, of a very large size.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we say, it's this is why, and this is maybe one of the pitfalls and why people find um, marketing and communications so hard to measure is that they implement something and with maybe some fairly woolly objectives that we talked about earlier. And then they come to this part, don't they? The measuring the business impact and they can't do it because they Mm. didn't have those benchmarks at the beginning or those smart objectives at the beginning. So um, when it comes to showing the impact here, um that's where it f- tends to fall down doesn't it and then and that's when you say well marketing is too difficult to measure yeah. so we don't so we don't do it we can't see how it marries up to like you say profitability sales market share so um it's so important that you don't start thinking about measurement at this very last stage
1: exactly if you've thought about it at the beginning and you have those really clear Smart objectives, then actually you should probably should be able to find you can measure your business impact
0: relatively hassle-free. Yeah, absolutely, and it's um, we always sort of go back to that. Um, I'm people might be familiar with it, but that adage of outputs and outcomes, don't we? The the difference between an output orientated team where you're letting off lots of arrows and saying that you're hitting targets of 50 arrows a minute compared to an outcome oriented team where they just concentrate on hitting one actual business goal.
1: Exactly. And I think that's exactly what it comes down to, Jenny. It's just about not just doing activity for activity's sake, but doing activity that drives the agenda of the business forward and actually helps you meet those goals. And coming up with them, doesn't need to be that difficult, but it does need some time spent on thinking about it. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. It's all, as with all these things, I fear we say it a lot across a lot of our episodes, but it's all preparation and planning, isn't it? So much comes down to just putting the thought in at the beginning um, and making it easier further down the line to actually measure impact. Yeah,
1: exactly. Just, I think, putting the time in to develop those smart objectives at the beginning really does pay dividends. And you'll be able to, if you if, if you don't own the business and you need to be able to justify your marketing spend, you know, it helps you, it supports your cause. And if you are the business owner, then, you know, it, it shows to you that it's working and that you can wisely invest your money in this marketing activity again next campaign because you know it's going to deliver for your business.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Sophie. That was um, a whistle-stop tour, wasn't it, of of measurement and um, the EMIC framework. Uh, We will have, and we do have um, up on our website, you'll be able to access some of these resources that we've been talking about today. Um, So, you can actually see it um, on the page and have a look at the framework and have a look actually at populating it for your own business. If you do have any questions about that at all, you can always reach out to us. You can go to our website. So that's adpr.co.uk. You can reach out to us on social media. We're across the various different social media channels um, and we're always here to help. So if you have any questions at all about measurement um, or anything else around your marketing and communications, please do um, reach out to us and we'd be very happy to hear from you. But thank you again for listening.